Hello and welcome to another episode of The Long Finish. I'm your host, Tug Coker, and I'm here as always with my wife and co-host, Catherine Weil Coker. How are you doing tonight, Catherine? I'm great. It's so good to be back. It's nice to be with you. Yeah. We haven't been doing podcasts almost for the whole month. We got one in early in September. But this is episode 89, folks. Even as life gets more and more complex, we continue to churn these out for our listeners. Thank you for continuing to listen to the show. And tonight, we're going to be talking about sparkling red wines. It's like mm. a merger. We don't want to go full into fall. We're dipping a toe into fall. We're still chilling our reds, but we're heading in that direction of red wine season. We are getting ready. So, Catherine, what are we drinking tonight? We are welcoming in fall with this Chateau de Minier, Boules de Minier Rouge from the Loire Valley. This is a non-vintage blend, 100% Cabernet Franc from France. I always think of Cabernet Franc when I think of fall, and I believe it was episode three that we were welcoming fall with a Cabernet Franc, and we have to do it again because it always reminds me of fall. But this is a really, really unique version of Cabernet Franc, something I thought would be so refreshing because here in Southern California, we really ease our way into fall. Like... (laughs) It was in the 80s today, and we still had a dip in the pool. But if you're in the Midwest or you're on the East Coast and it's already getting a little chill, to have some bubbles, to have this sparkling red with some early soups and, you know, fall things, it'll be perfect. Speaking of fall, I was back on the East Coast last weekend for a bunch of festivities and got a real taste of fall. It was nice. Just the slightest touch of fall, the cool mornings. Still had some bright blue skies, but you could feel the crispness starting to want to come out. I was very happy to be back on the East Coast. I'll get into that in a second. We're going to get into this wine a little bit, talk about Cab Franc, talk about sparkling reds, something we talk about in episode 42 and episode 43, if that interests you. We talk about Cab Franc in 42 and then Lambrusco in 43, another type or style of red wine. What you call it, style or type? Or would you, what would yeah, you call it's that? another type of red wine, uh, sparkling red. It is probably the one people are most familiar with is Lambrusco. So we'll get into all that. But Catherine, first of all, I came back yesterday, fully thrown back into life as a parent. I haven't seen you in a few days. How are you? What's going on in your world? I have survived. I have survived four nights and five days without you. It's not what you said in the text. You were very uh, <laughs> pleading me to come back. I came back a, a day early. It was not pleading. It was like, <laughs> um, if you wouldn't mind so much. Hello, uh, sir. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> Not to trouble you, yeah. <laughs> but if you're deciding on whether to keep your marriage yes. or not, yes. <laughs> the answer would be to come home. Please return, henceforth. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that was not the text. The text was, um, if you're available, that'd be great. Really love for you to come back. <laughs> I was like, you know, there are really major perks to being alone f- by yourself for a couple days, which is that you kind of get to do things your way. I get to do things my way. I don't have to negotiate. I don't have to consult. I just do it my way. And for someone like me who is a people pleaser, who is oh, like, oh, it, are you happy? Are you happy? It's very nice 
just to be concerned about doing what I need to do for the kids and that's it. And so I can really assert some control over the situation and that's enjoyable. It's also so exhausting and I'm so tired. And the first day you were gone, I got a flat tire, had the car towed, put the three car seats into the truck. We had so many meltdowns. Uh, You know, we had a lot of... um, ups and downs, surprises, but we did it. We did it. We did it. And I'll say one of the magic moments of my time with the kids is your parents sent this fabulous nightlight. It is a really cool nightlight that like projects the solar system onto the roof or onto the ceiling of the kids' bedroom. And we just had a lot of fun stargazing with that and having group hugs under the solar system. And that was probably one of the highlights. Sounds amazing. Why did I need to come back early? You have it handled, you know? Except that I need to sleep. Yes, there's that. There is that. You know, it's funny. I had the opposite feeling. I did travel, as you know, listeners. Um, last month, I traveled alone to go back to New Jersey. I did this trip back to D.C. for a wedding for a lifelong friend of mine. Brian Knight got married uh, in D.C. Got to see some college friends, play some golf at Chevy Chase Country Club in Maryland, and then Country Club of Virginia down in Richmond. I also saw my one of my two new nieces. My youngest sister, Lori, had twin girls about well, I don't know, 10 or 12 days ago, saw my nephew Cannon, both of my nephews, and two of my three nieces. So in a four-day span, I got to see basically everyone that's important to me from my life back on the East Coast. That is so special. It was really fun. You know, it was a blast. And you talk about like the craziness of, you know, being tired, being with the kids. I have the opposite feeling of the freedom of traveling alone is unbelievable. When you're a parent and you travel by yourself, you feel like... I was in the middle seat. <laughs> On the way out, because I bought my ticket a little and you're late. you're still like having the best time. I was having ever. the best time. <laughs> you know, no one was creaching into my zone. Creaching? It's a word I just made up. But no one was creaching into my zone <laughs> uh, in the middle seat. And, you know, got there without any issues. And I was just happy. You know, long Uber into D.C. from Dulles Airport. Couldn't be happier. Don't so care. happy. Got so much work done. <laughs> True pleasure. And like I said earlier, great to be back on the East Coast when the fall starts before it gets too cold or too dark. You kind of see everyone's excitement from the humidity dissipating into that cool, crisp feeling. Um, a lot of fond memories of, of the, that weather. But, you know, you and I didn't see each other for a few days. Now we're back. We always use this as an opportunity to catch up. But, you know, the fall is in the air. Not in L.A. because it's still hot. Oh, my goodness. Not in L.A. But I have heard from multiple friends in the Midwest that fall is in full swing there. And with fall, we want to give you great bottles of wine. You know, Catherine and I don't drink as much red wine as other people, but we love to share red wine. We want to share this wine with you tonight. This is a wine that I, you know, we'll get into this. I think I discovered this wine for Esther's. Well, at least you were there. I may, I was there. You were there when the moment we said, aha, wow, got to have it. And I believe I said this was my wine of the year. For 2019 or 2020 when we wow. first had it. Yeah, this is my favorite wine of the year. So let's reintroduce the wine and let's get into talking about sparkling reds and sparkling Cab Franc for the listeners at home. So this is from Chateau de Minier. It is the Boules de Minier Rouge and Boules B-U-L-L-E-S Bubbles from the Loire Valley. Sparkling red wine, 100% Cabernet Franc. Now, because... 
This is a sparkling red. They can't label it with the Appalachian status, so it's just Loire Valley. It's not a more a more specific designation than that, and there's no vintage here. But this is 100% Cabernet Franc, and it is the only sparkling Cabernet Franc that I've ever had in my life. I will say, probably along with many of you, I haven't had that many sparkling reds, period. There just aren't tons out there. We're probably all most familiar with Lambrusco, that red wine from Emilia Romagna. Now, Lambruscos can really range, so you may love them or hate them, but there are sweeter versions. There are drier versions. There are many different like kinds of Lambrusco grapes that yield different kinds of red wine, but usually you can tell by the alcohol level If it's going to be sweeter or drier, a lower alcohol usually is a sweeter Lambrusco. A little bit higher alcohol, maybe more like 11%, is a drier Lambrusco. There's a rosé Lambrusco as well. Now, the other red sparkler that I've seen out there is sparkling Shiraz from Australia. And there is some really bad sparkling Shiraz out there in the grocery stores. So beware. If you try it and you don't like it, know that that's probably the mass marketed stuff that got sent to the, uh, you know, grocery. But there are great versions as well. And if you want a great version, you're probably going to want to pay more than like 30 bucks. But it will have all that feeling of Syrah. So reminder, Shiraz, Syrah, same thing. Australia just spent a ton of money to market the word Shiraz to mean the same thing as Syrah. It's the same thing. So a great one will have all that Syrah character, that dark fruit, that bacon fat, that pepperiness, and it'll be sparkling and probably have some a little bit of oakiness as well. I've had some middle of the road ones, never one that I was like so in love with that I wanted to buy for the restaurant, but... I've heard from many other people, especially people that are in Australia, that the best ones don't get exported, and there are some great ones. And then, of course, there's Bracchetto de Gaki. This is a sparkling red that you might see in a liquor store, in a wine shop. It's like around 5 or 6% alcohol, which means it's sweet. This is a dessert wine, but sparkling and red. And it has a soft sparkle and it's amazing with like chocolate or cheesecake or I don't know, other desserts. Pecan pie would be so good. Great for Thanksgiving. Think about this, but definitely, you know, it's a sweet wine. There's also a red you hardly ever see, but is great. That's called Gragnano. That's from around Naples. It's a sparkling red as well. Total pizza wine. Simple sparkling red, simple. So that's it. That's it. Like what I gave you is it. This Cabernet Franc is not on any list anywhere except for the people that have had it and seen it are obsessed. Yes, we know many people who are obsessed with this wine. This has been at Esther's in and out when it's in stock oh, for, for, a, sure. for a couple of years. Yeah. Before we talk about the specifics of this particular wine, can you talk about the methods that people use to make sparkling reds? Is it the same method that any other wine is made in the sparkling fashion? Um. 
Definitely not all methods. So we traditional we know sparkling wine is either traditional method or champagne method. Sparkling wine can be Charmant method or Tink method. That's most used with like Prosecco. We know Petnat and then we know Carbonation. And I would say those last three you could probably see in the sparkling reds. I'm sure there's a lot of carbonated red out there from cheap Shiraz and cheap Lambrusco. That's just like pumping CO2. Yeah, pumping CO2. Same way you're going to make a soda. Now, most Lambrusco is probably the Charmant method or the tank method where the second fermentation is happening in a tank. The wine is not resting on the lees. It's not in the bottle. And it's about preserving that fruitiness and freshness and frankly, you know, more cost effective as well. And then you'll also see Petnat. So that means stopping the fermentation, the first fermentation, the only fermentation when it's partially complete, usually by cold stabilization, putting it in the bottles, putting a crown cap on, and then letting the temperature come up just a little bit, enough for the fermentation to complete in the bottle and then rest in the bottle, finish for however many months you want to do that. That is what this is. Now I've tasted a few Lambruscos that were method ancestral or petit naturel. We can use those interchangeably. I've tasted a few Lambruscos that were made in that way. Not not a ton though, not many. And I was so happy to discover that that was this method because I think it's really, really special. That's cool. So can we talk a little bit about this wine? What do we know about the winemakers, the producers, the terroir? Give it all, give everyone the goods here because this wine is so special. This is the goods. So this is from Loire Valley, Garden of France. If you know me, if you know this podcast, you know I love the Loire. This is from the region of Bourgogne which is kind of on the right bank of the Loire River across from Chinon. Now, this is traditional, very, very serious Cabernet Franc zone, okay? Probably the neighbors of (laughs) Chateau Minier, many of them probably are like, excuse me, what are you doing with this wine? You know, because there's a way to make Cabernet Franc and this is not normally it. Now, people do make rosé of Cabernet Franc. People do make sparkling rosé of Cabernet Franc, but this, not so much. So it's kind of unusual for this area, but this is a really cool, really unique estate. So it, it has a long history, actually. The history is really cool. It was established in the 15th century as a farm, and then it was just run as a mansion. And then 100 years later, it was a chateau. And it was so beautiful that actually the French author Charles Perrault was inspired by the castle and had this in mind when writing Sleeping Beauty. How cool is that? That is really cool. That is so neat. Wow. So this was run for many years, I don't know, probably by different folks making wine or selling grapes, nothing that was like reaching my market or nothing I knew about. But in 2010, it was purchased by a woman named Kathleen Vandenberg. That's four words there. And she took over the whole estate, converted it to organics. We're going to do minimal intervention. We're going to do everything by hand. We are going to make really thoughtful natural wine here. A lot of biodynamic practices just reinvented the whole estate. This is awesome woman. So it's about, it's not a huge estate. 
I have read several things, one saying that it was 15 hectares and one 29 hectares. So let's just say it's uh, small, not huge, but not tiny. And, you know, as I said, everything is done by hand. This wine might be the most notable of the estate because it's the most unique, but they do make still Cabernet Franc and they also make a rosé as well. But here is the full method for making this wine. So first, Cabernet Franc grapes come in. And these are vines planted in the, their oldest ones are planted in the 60s and some a little bit later. Grapes come in and they start with carbonic maceration for a few weeks. So that's like fermentation starting inside the whole berries. That's going on for a couple of weeks the grapes are destemmed; they're not on the stems, and then they're gently pressed. Once they're like about to burst, or some of them are starting to burst from that carbonic maceration because the CO2 and heat is so intense, they're gently pressed, they're settled, they ferment in a stainless steel tank, then they're cooled before they finish fermentation. It's cooled, so it stops fermentation. They're put into bottles, put a beer cap on the top and they sit for nine months to a year on the dead yeast cells while they just sort of aging and settling. Then those lees are released. No sulfur added at all and the wines are not fined or filtered in any way. They're just taking that yeast out. That's it. And they put the crown cap on. It's ready to go. I was really excited when I read about that carbonic maceration because I was like, wow, that's why this Cabernet just pops. There's just such a brightness, a fruitiness like this. Cabernet Franc can be serious and it can be light and fresh. And this has such a lightness and a freshness to it. Like all that red raspberry and brambly fruit, violets. And those crushed fall leaves, a little bit of that green bell pepper. It always just has that Cabernet Franc thing to it, that forest floor, but in such a playful, bright sense, which makes complete sense with these just light, soft bubbles. Now, looking at our glasses now, because we filled them earlier, the bubbles on this are so light. They're perceptible when you first sip it and then they slowly dissipate. They're not overly intense. It's just enough to give it effervescence and, you know, something extra. It's such a light touch. Anyway, if you've tasted this wine before, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, run, walk, fly, take a train to Esther's because we have it by the glass right now and it is the wine to drink to celebrate fall. Let's talk about food pairings for the wine. We had a, we were in a hurry tonight for dinner. Oh, I, I was waiting for you to discuss our dinner. <laughs> it was a real so a couple weeks ago, my special m- night. A couple weeks ago, my mom and dad came in town to to save me because Catherine went on a trip by herself. Yeah, we to, didn't mention to, that to Indiana, and I knew this enough in advance to say, "Mom and Dad, I can't do this alone." Catherine did the last few days alone. I did not do that. I said, "Mom, Dad, please come save me. Come help me." My mom made a dinner one night quickly picking up some food from the store and cooking some shredded beef for tacos. And I bought them at the store today and we made them. And Catherine, I guess in the recipe, they said to add water. And Catherine had a lot of water. (laughs) (laughs) So the kids were complaining that tacos were were wet. (laughs) Hard hard shell tacos, mind you. Dripping. That were dripping with (laughs) water. They were dripping. No, Catherine is an excellent cook. 
I will say this wholeheartedly, which made tonight so funny. And she was, you were a little bit upset about it, but we said, but the kids loved them. A, we all loved them, and they, and it was hilarious. There was delicious and watery tacos. Imagine that world. They, uh, no, it was. I was really upset at first. I know you were. And then you know, the I kids got had over multiple. The kids had multiple tacos. They were eating it. It yeah. was like, okay, well, it can't be upset. They would just eat them in paper towels. They were. We were wrapped one in paper towel. Soaked paper towel. Oh, I don't even know what you did. You ever seen a wet hard towel? <laughs> <laughs> Is that a t-shirt? It's a great t-shirt, Jasper. If you're listening, make anyway, that t-shirt. Anyway, this would be good with the, the wet hard taco. Thank you. <laughs> oh, my goodness. What else would okay, be recommended? Well, you this? know, come on, bean stew. This is all the fall things. Think about those football weekends, those football, like, Sunday football watching parties. I'm thinking chili. I'm thinking all the, like, nacho-y seven-layer bean dip because it has that brightness, but it has, that like, this herbaceous pepperiness as well. This is great with, oh, man. I mean, I know it's really early, but come on, Thanksgiving. Hello. No brainer. So light and refreshing. It's twelve point five percent alcohol. Okay, it's not like a, no. you know, it's it's. You can enjoy multiple glasses. Yeah. This would be a great Thanksgiving pre-party for Halloween. For sure, anything like, that's like also a heavy meal that you want something, yep. you know, on the lighter, lighter side. Like I was saying, like a chili or like a stew. This would be great. Great with vegetables like fall squash we have this new squash and goat cheese tartine at esters this would be great with that as well speaking of esters you can get this wine at esters any other ideas on where you could maybe find this wine if you're not in the la santa monica area well i looked online i mean you can google it or do wine searcher and look in your area because i think this winery got hip to the fact that people like it it's around you know it's around in some small wine shops certainly in los angeles and i think in other cities as well other cities on the east coast and and some small pockets in the midwest and the south too this is a wine that we've been talking about i've been clamoring as i said earlier it was my wine of the year whenever we first discovered it 2019 2020 just an amazing wine versatile fun for People who love red wines, which are a lot of people, but also fun for people that may want to have more of that sparkling or lighter red side. It's just an awesome wine for a group, like you said, a party, Thanksgiving, pre-parting, tailgates. It's, it's just a really rangy, versatile wine. Can't recommend this wine highly enough. Very glad to see it again. Come to Astros and grab it or look for it online for a way to grab it in your area. All right, now let's get to what has been inspiring us this week. I'm going to go first. I was back in D.C., this weekend, as I said, had an amazing time. Went to a restaurant that I think I've, I, I may have been to one time before, but it's Old Ebbets Grill in Washington, D.C. It's a famous restaurant in D.C. If you're in D.C. or in the area, you obviously know it. It's basically right next door to the White House. This place is hopping all the time. Hopping. And it's delicious. My buddy Brian, his wife Kelly, had their rehearsal dinner event on the roof. It was very windy that evening. But couldn't have been a better view of the city. The cherry on top was that Elton John was basically doing a sound check for a show that he was doing at the White House the next night under the tent. So you could hear Elton John. I want to. I can't verify 100% if it was Elton John, but you heard Elton John's songs. Let's assume it was him sound checking at the White House oh during this rehearsal gosh, dinner. How Insanely cool. Is that? cool. Yeah, we went downstairs, 
had dinner with some close friends. And this place was hopping at 10 o'clock at night. It's all the things you want in a, in like a, a city sort of old school restaurant. The food was great. The energy was great. People were still eating and drinking at 10 o'clock at night. Like huge inspiration in the restaurant space, making me want to get back out. You and I don't do this as much anymore. Be out after 10, 1030, still enjoying wine. We had a bottle of Donhoff Riesling. So if you're in the DC area, there's a lot of great places to eat. But if you want to find yourself later in the evening back at Old Ebbets Grill, you'll be doing yourself a favor and finding a place that feels comfortable, warm, and fun, and the food and wine are delicious. So that's my inspiration for the week, keeping it in the food and wine world on this podcast. Catherine, what do you have? That sounds so fun. You got to do it. You I would I, be happy to go. I sent you the wine list, and I was like, there's some really yeah. good wines here that aren't really breaking good. the bank. Yeah, no. It was solid. Yeah. So I, we'll do I'm it. I'm ready. We'll do it next time. I'm ready to go. What do you have? Well, if on the other hand, you're stuck at home and not out drinking, eating, yep. living it up, yep. you might find yourself wanting a really just cozying up to a rom-com, which is really not always my genre of choice in books. But like, let me tell you, this book had me in stitches. I loved it. Nora Goes Off Script by Annabelle Monahan. Holy manjoli. I really enjoyed the heck out of this book. Like I said, reminds me of rom-coms from the 80s. It's got Nora Ephron vibes. I laughed out loud. I breezed through it. It was a true delight. I don't really know that I want to tell you anything about this, except the main character is a screenwriter, and she's also a mom, like in her late 30s, early 40s. So, you know, kind of related to that. And some pretty cool things happened to her. But I am almost just laughing, like thinking about it. But if you just want to relax, have this enjoyable light fluff that will make you laugh, just get this book. It's a delight. And thank you to my dear, dear friend, Maura Malloy, for recommending it to me. We read it together, and that was a joy, too. All right, that's it. That's it for episode 89 of The Long Finish. Episode 89 is in the books. Thank you to everyone for continuing to listen to our show. If you have a chance to rate, review, and subscribe to our show, it means a lot to us. Catherine, where can they find you in The Long Finish on social media? Find me at Catherine Wild Coker on Instagram and find The Long Finish at The Long Finish on Instagram. You can see all of our episode names, all of the wines that we've ever drunk, we use it to keep ourselves organized. We did so, tonight. Yeah, it's a really helpful way to see ooh, what you might want to listen to in the past and what episodes are exciting. I was playing golf with someone in D.C. and they talked to me about wine, asked for some advice. I said, the one thing I can say is when you find a wine that you like, take a picture of it. Then you can show that picture to your psalm at any restaurant and they'll have a clue to what to get for you. It's the best way to do it. We do it on Instagram. Check it out. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Tug Coker. Stay tuned. We'll be back with episode 90 in just a couple weeks. Until then, enjoy the start of fall. Be happy, be healthy, and happy drinking. Ciao.